Jeff Fuller back with you, pastor at Living Hope Wesleyan Church. Uh, HopeForVermont.org is where you can find us on uh, the web, HopeForVermont.org. Living Hope Wesleyan Church on YouTube, Living Hope Wesleyan on um, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and at Hope for Vermont on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, we try to share people's stories to hopefully encourage and inspire you. And one of the great stories, Dave Mason. Dave, welcome in. Hey, Jeff. <laughs> it's been a while, but um so glad to finally catch up and uh, do this. So we met a couple of times, I believe, but one that we both recall is at Rucker Park. I mean, we met before going to a missions trip to New York City. What led you down to New York City? <laughs> um, I was trying to figure out what year that was. I believe I was a youth pastor in Indiana at the time. I've done many, many a trip to New York City uh, with this, different groups over the years. And I believe that I was coming from Indiana that year. And I met a young man who I believe you're a youth pastor at the time and you had your youth group there too we both had our youth groups there and somehow we got start started talking about basketball and found out you had a whole crew into basketball and we knew of the legendary rucker park and this was pre-iphone pre much right. internet stuff i think i came there on a triptych i printed off maybe a, a google maps directions is how i got there and we got some directions of how to find rucker park we knew it was in harlem i think we knew what cross street it was and me and your boys, and for I don't know why, how I came with a group from Indiana, and none of us, none of the rest of us wanted to go to a basketball <laughs> thing. But and if nobody knows, I mean, Rucker Park is the mecca for street basketball. So like oh, yeah. every basketball player ever. So me and you totally understand what it's like. You've seen videos. There's video games that include Rucker Park. It's it's just legendary. And we decided to go find it. And there I was with you. And do you remember like your boys for whatever reason decided to all shave their heads that day? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is all in this is all messed in my brain for whatever reason. I don't know why why you guys shaved your heads on a mission trip, but you just shaved your heads on a mission trip. Maybe it was hot, I don't know. But uh you had all these white boys with you and me, and we decided to go to Harlem. And we 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 I think the express train, we were on the express train or something. For some reason we had to get off before we thought the stop we, we were told right. to get off. Right. And we were like 10, 20 blocks short of where we needed to go. And so we ended up walking through Harlem. And I mean, Harlem is much safer than it ever would have been. And even then safer than it was maybe back in the eighties or seventies, but that's still in your brain. And like, <laughs> I was terrified and I was with you guys. And that was back when like skinheads were like a thing, like, oh, yeah, like for sure. white nationalism. Now it looks like everything. Anybody can look, it could be a white nationalism. What we would discover? Everybody just hides better. But back then it was a little more apparent. People just shave their heads and that's what you look like. You're like, hey, sweet, that's a racist. And the white guy with the shaved head. I had hair at the time, so I was lucked out. You were with us, and I was just like, okay, sweet. Not sweet. I was like, this is how we're going to die. Like, I was just like, this is how it goes. I was like, and I was just like, well, if these guys are going to jump us, I'm like, I'm at least going to like be nice. So I was saying hi to everybody. And it was like right out of a movie. Like, all these guys were just sitting on the stoops. Everything you picture in a movie of, of New York City, they're sitting on the stoops. Yeah. All these big black dudes. We're the only white people, non black people, as far as I can see. I'm glad you were with us because at least it meant like, okay, one of us at least isn't white. Then it's like, okay, maybe that'll help us some. And uh, I was just like, I'm saying hi, hey, how you going? I'm like, I'm like, hey, if I'm gonna get killed, at least I'm gonna say hi to him first. Oh, it's and so remember, funny. And we came around that corner, and they were like, we asked direction, like, hey, do you guys know where Rucker Park is? And the guy was like, you go down under that underpass, and it's right there. And we walked down, and he hops on a cell phone as soon as we leave. And this is 
burned my brain. I was like, that's it. He's calling his buddy. He was, he was like a, uh, uh, it was a shop. He was working on like really nice cars. There was like a Bentley and a Maserati or something out front. I was like, okay, that, that's a chop shop. Uh, that guy's sitting us down. Somebody's going to jump us when we get to the bottom of this thing. And we go down. I'm like, well, this is it. This is how it goes. Here we go. And I go down the hill and then we come up and then that sign pops up the, the New York city, uh, park sign with the logo. And it says Rucker park. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're standing outside and we look in and it's the coolest thing I'd ever seen. It had all, it was all I hoped Rucker park could be. And they even remember they even let us in to go watch the girls' games. Yeah. We had to go to a missions thing that night. Right. right. And I, I still, I still, yeah, bond memories of that trip, man. That was so much fun. So it's so funny because one of those students, uh, his parents actually attend the church that I'm pastoring now, and they and they don't asking, know that you almost killed them. And now they well, know. they know why did you guys all shave your heads? And I'm like, you know, at the time I thought it was a good youth bonding experience. But then realizing we all look like a bunch of uh, thin white guys with uh, shaved heads in the middle of the inner city, it probably wasn't my best best choice at that time. But um, anyway, we made it out. Good friendships, good memories. But I just want to bring up the website now where uh, you're currently working and slwc.ca. This is Silver Lake Wesleyan Camp. I actually was a counselor there way back when, but you guys are doing a ton. How did you first get involved with Silver Lake? Um, I grew up coming to Silver Lake. I think my parents got a tent trailer here when I was three or four years old. Like young enough, I don't even like I, I vaguely remember uh, having the trailer in the trailer park and being too scared to walk over to the bathroom at night. And I would pee off the middle entrance <laughs> to the of the things you remember when you're a kid, right? So. so uh, since I was a little bit, I've, I've been coming here and um, a couple years after that or a year after that, bought a cottage here. And this has been my summer home. This has been the place that we have come. Soon as soon as school let out, my mom was a was a was a, a full time mom. And uh, as soon as school let out for this year, we would move up here and we would spend our summers here. And this is the place I made my Christian friends. This is the place I got to know Jesus. This is the place I got a catch frogs and try to hustle and sell them to fishermen to make some money so I could buy pop from the tuck shop and those glass bottles, glass bottles of orange crush. And, uh, yeah, so this is, this is, this is that place for me. And, um, my parents still have a cottage here. So I've, I've always come back. This is the place I've always come back to whenever I had a job somewhere else. Uh, even as I was going between jobs and I'd be interview placing, I'd kind of be like, okay, what's the summer vacation schedule kind of like, am I allowed to go to Ontario? Um, and make sure that I was always a possibility. So I was always, I was always trying to, no matter where I was in my life, I tried to get up here a week or two every summer. And, um, yeah, so this place has been a part of my life, my, my entire life. This is where I gave my life to the Lord. This is where I got, this is where I learned about Indian Wesleyan. This is where I got, uh, got led to go to Indian Wesleyan. This is where I met many of my, many of my best, best longtime friends. And, uh, yeah, so I've been familiar with this place for a very, very long time. Now, for myself, I grew up going to camps and uh, being a part of whether it's a Wesleyan, Nazarene denomination, it always seems like summer camp is a huge part. But as of late or the last several years, there's been this thought that camps have run their course. And I actually go back and forth. Sometimes I see the tremendous value. Other times I'm like, maybe there is another ministry that we could reach those same students what is it about camp getting in the middle of nowhere having campfires being 
with strangers that you soon become friends with. What makes camp yeah. so special? I think, I think like nature's part of it, like getting, I think nature's part of it. I think getting out of your norm is part of it. Uh, that's why those trips to New York were so great for me was for us taking, you know, kids or small town New Brunswick kids down to New York city um, was out of your norm. And there was something about getting out of your routine and doing something for an extended period of time. So not like an afternoon, a weekend works, but a week, maybe longer is even better. And there's something special about getting that, that time of getting away. Like Jesus went off into the wilderness for a time. Uh, <laughs> the Israelites spent 40 years camping. Uh, I, I often hear what you're saying. They're like, oh, maybe camp, camping ministry has run its course. I'm like, okay, cool. That's cool. But this has been going on for 6,000 years. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, yeah, gr- great, sweet. In, in, in 2012, it, was, it took a little bit of a dip, but it's not going anywhere. Like if 6,000 years can't get rid of camping, nothing's getting rid of camping. And so for, for me, so for me as a kid, and that's my experience, right? This is where I experienced Jesus. This is where I stepped out of my norm. I came to the wilderness. I spent time with people that loved Jesus and they bestowed that love upon me. And there's just something special of that. I think the nature, the fresh air, you know, we happen to be on a lake, we own an island. So all, all those things are just kind of perks alongside of that. But it's that it's just getting out of your space, right? Like, and everybody's moving to the cities. I mean, now everybody's online, right? With with pandemic, I know you guys are a little bit ahead of us, maybe down in Vermont and uh, where we are here in Ontario. But people are like emerging out of their cocoons, looking at seeing the sun for the first time, blinking a few times, and being like, "Oh yeah, like it's pretty awesome out here." Like uh, you've seen Wall-E when they when they get off the spaceship, right? Like we're all kind of like that. Like we've just we've been sitting in front of our computers too long, and now it's even that, like checking offline, right? Like the fact that we have crappy Wi-Fi here. So hopefully our connection stays, but we have pretty. Oh, did I go, did I go away there? That was yeah, you, you went for a moment, but uh, yeah, it was. I thought you planned it that way. So uh... <laughs> they, they, uh, there's something about that too, right? Like of unplugging. And I think that's only going to get more. I think outside of the pandemic, we don't realize how important getting away, coming here. Like we're, when I moved here uh, as camp director a few years ago, um, we had a bunch of cottages for sale and it always made me sad. It was like all these signs. I'm like, oh, that could be a family that could be here experiencing this. And it made me sad that it was for sale. Now all our cottages, every single one of them for sale. We got waiting lists on a bunch of them. Like, people are like, wow. okay, let, let, let me know when a lakefront goes up. I, like, I get asked that about every week. And uh, our trailer sites, are, we're actually going to start expanding our trailer sites because we're running out of room for people. Uh, the- and then out our camps, um, which is pretty pretty incredible. But I think people are just seeing the value of getting away, coming up here, uh, spending that time with Jesus. And um, yeah, I just think I think it's incredibly valuable, and will it will become even more uh, apparent. And especially as we, we go more online, more meetings are online, more work is online. That's just going to push your body. Your body's going to just naturally know that it needs to get out. It needs to. Be, you need sunshine. You need that vitamin C. You need uh, exercise, getting in the water, that fresh air, uh, uh, a bonfire. It like, I don't know if like they have like some cooking things with Jesus in the Bible, but I always picture them around campfires. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually written down or not, but I assume there must have been fires there at some point. Uh, I mean, uh, Peter had the fire when he turned when he uh, denied Jesus, but I don't know of that. But like, I just picture them always kind of around campfires, and there's just something special of 
conversation just right so <laughs> and again dave mason makes a Sorry time. If I keep losing you it's all right. Uh, the website is slwcca, slwc.ca. And uh, for us during the pandemic, we have a fire pit. And I think we had a fire uh, probably six days a week. And I do say days. We'd start it early and uh, sit by it during quarantine. And um, there is something special about those relationships and the conversations that take place there. I just want to go back to something you said earlier about when you were a kid, you found the Lord at Silver Lake, how have you grown in your faith or how did you grow in your faith when you left the safety of the camp and had to go back to school and just live life during the uh, fall and winter? Uh, I, I probably didn't. <laughs> that was the thing, right? Like um, in the 80s and 90s, maybe that was more of a thing than now. I mean, I think kids are blessed today because look at them and they make a friend at camp and they can, you know, find each other on Instagram, find each other on uh, Facebook, use Telegram, use whatever communication they want, WhatsApp, whatever you whatever you choose, and they can stay in communication. Us, we had like, you probably didn't get anybody's phone number because it was long distance, so you weren't going to call them. You might get their their address and you could write them a letter, but you you never did that. So you just lost communication. So these friends you made, this connection you made with Jesus just kind of disappears as, you, so as soon as you go back to school. And for me, school was a pretty scary place. I was in a public school and as far as I knew, I was the only Christian in like my grade, right? And um, I, over time, uh, at the beginning, you know, good Christian kid, didn't cuss, didn't do, you know, bad stuff and didn't go with girls who do or however that saying goes, right? And, um, you know, I was a good Wesleyan kid, so I wasn't even allowed to go to dances. So I'd have to sit in this special room during school dances. If you ever want to feel like an outcast, um, sit in the special room during a school dance when everybody in your school is dancing and that's their chance to like meet girls and stuff. And you're the one not even in there. Um, and so I had that. And then some, somewhere along the line, I realized uh, uh, my parents weren't watching maybe at school and, and maybe my faith early on was just kind of following the rules my parents had set for me. And uh, I started living like two lives, right? Like I would have my life at school uh, and that person would, live the way the other kids were living, right? Say the things other kids were saying. Uh, uh, I would make fun of people because I have a little bit of a quick wit. So uh, I found that if I, if you, if you tease somebody and made fun of somebody, then people weren't laughing at you. So that was just an easy way to avoid scars, right? So you, you, you picked, picked on people. So I did that for a long time. Like that was in the high school. And uh, I would, I would come to summer camp. I would go to youth group or whatever. And I would, rededicate my life to Jesus for like the 13th time and it just never would stick, right? Like, like, God, I'm so sorry for those things, man. I want to go home. I want to witness to my friends. I want to bring them to you. And uh, it just didn't stick. And yeah, and I got, I got, I got a ways away, dabbled into uh, some substances uh, that uh, I shouldn't have been doing, tried, you know, smoking anything and everything uh, I could get my hands on. Didn't have much of a self-esteem at the time, so didn't really care about life. So <laughs> we had a, we had a, me and a couple of friends had a try anything kind of uh, attitude, right? It was just like, if you die, you die. You're like, don't like life much anyway. This isn't very much fun. And um, yeah, I got, got into taking, taking drugs and even selling, selling them because I was the good Christian kid. So I had friends 
who saw me as that, and they were scared of the big bad drug dealers. But the big bad drug dealers were also friends of mine. So it was just like, yeah, I was just this middleman that like could get along with everybody. So it was just like, yeah, I'll go over like that's my buddy. We played hockey together. Like we were in grade four together. Like yeah, here I'll go talk to him. No problem. I'm not scared of whatever, right? Because he's just a friend. He's just a person, right? Yeah. And uh, and it wasn't until like kind of that last year of high school I came up here, and uh, yeah, had a had. I'll be I'll be straight frank with you. I've told this before. It's been a long time since I've shared these stories, but it's not like I haven't shared them before. But uh, yeah, I had a big pile of LSD that I brought with me here, and uh, I was ready to go and have a wonderful summer. And I thought I thought that's how we would spend our summer. And and I ended up watching a video and uh, at a youth group, and they shared about a guy who. Um, was had was struggling to traction and um i know that's a tough touchy subject these yeah. days and i don't and i looking back i don't know where it was but it, it was important for me and um he gave that of himself to god like he was just like i'm gonna give this my sexuality to you god and you do with what he was like if i need to be celibate i'll be celibate if this is whatever and he he chose to do that and god ended up helping him and he married a woman and all these things and that was like kind of his testimony and at the end the the youth pastor said hey if there's anything in your life that you need to give up to god and you don't know what to do with it you could do that now and i gave up the drugs right i was just like okay i'm i don't want to do these things anymore um i decided i did want to live uh i wanted to not you know wreck my mind or my body and i decided to give those up and uh uh, and I didn't know what to do then because I had a friend who was doing them with me and he did make the same decision. I decided how I was going to do uh, that. Uh, and um, we, uh, I ended up having to tell my parents. I had to sit my parents down and be like, hey, this, this is what I was doing. Uh, I don't like, I don't know. Like, usually you get caught, right? Like, usually you like every story you hear, like somebody gets caught with you know whatever stash they have and that's when the parents come down or you or the cops bring you home or something right like i like self-confessed i like turned myself into my parents um we flushed we flushed everything i had left down the down the toilet and uh and god like really helped me through that and then and that's and i actually decided later i was like okay god i gave you that he helped me with that and then i decided to give my life i was like sweet god if you can like help me with that thing you help me with this step this hardest thing one of the hardest thing i ever had to do at the time uh, you can help me through with the rest of my life. I decided to give the rest of my life to God. I was like, and it stuck that time, right? Yeah, and so then I went yeah. back my last year of high school and <laughs> I had friends like literally calling me up being like, hey man, he's like, I, he's like, can you give me a score or whatever? I was like, oh dude, I was like, I actually don't do that anymore. I found this guy, Jesus. And like, I'm now going to like Bible studies. They're like, what? You idiot, what are you doing? I'm like, ah. right? I'm carrying I'm carrying my little, those little red New Testaments we used to have. Yeah. I used to carry one of those around with me in high school. I'd be reading in between class. And people were like, what happened to this kid? He was the guy that could score us drugs. And now he's talking about Jesus. And they're like, what, like, where'd he come from? Right. So, um, yeah, that was my kind of story. And it was back in the day. I remember I used to, I, I got convicted about the music I was listening to. And I, I got rid of all my music and started listening to Christian music. And luckily MXPX was on the scene at the time <laughs> and they changed my life. I was like, sweet, I can stop listening to this stuff. I'm going to start listening to these guys. And I would bring these like underground Christian punk rock, albums to school on cds when we had cds yeah and you'd share them with people and then i'd introduce people to music that way and um yeah that's when that's when god got a hold of my life that's when i decided indian western was for me 
well, the next time I decided anyone else was for me. And um, yeah, that's when, that's when it kind of stuck. So I get it. Like it's, it's, it's hard, man. It's hard being a Christian in a secular world, right? Like if you're at a public school and like none of your friends are Christians, like that's, that's a lonely existence. Like that's a hard thing to be. So I encourage kids here that I, I work with to be connect with somebody. Like if it's, if it's your leader, if it needs to be me, like if you need to write me, um, I'll, I'll stay connected with you throughout the year, right? Like um, having that person that is, has faith with you that you can stay, that you can walk this journey with. Uh, Cause we weren't meant to walk alone, right? Like we were meant to walk this in uh, partnership as you're doing now with your church, as you're doing this online so that people can share these stories, right? Like it's all about this. And, um, and I was missing that for a long time in my life. And, uh, and later on, I got it, had some great friends that I stayed connected with, then got to New Weston and a whole bunch of other crazy stuff happened. And, uh, yeah, that's that. <laughs> so Dave, Dave Mason makes up time Instagram. It's at baby Mace at baby Mace. Dave, when you, uh, picked Indiana Wesleyan, did you know that you were called to vocational ministry or what was that <laughs> process like? Uh, that's another interesting story. Um, I, I don't think I've ever been called to vocational ministry. <laughs> um, I was never called as a kid. I, I was, I, I did a co-op. We had co-op in Canada where you, I don't know if you had that, where you could like spend half of your senior year, uh, doing like practical training at a, at a job site. Okay. You could do some job stuff. Right. And, uh, my family is, is, leans probably on the science math type side of the spectrum and that was kind of the classes i was taking and so i signed up for one um one co-op of at a science thing that a big science institution in ottawa the experimental farm and i i was doing lab work right so i was in a lab had like the beakers and fancy sciencey stuff and it was like it was it would have been the epitome of what i was taking kind of in school and i and like but you're not with any people and I was just like, whoa, this is like super boring, like super interesting. Like it was like, I still think I'm like, man, those things, like I, I was using test tubes and this little that, like centrifuge that would spin the stuff. And I was looking for pollen and it was something to do with plants. I can't exactly remember, but I remember being like, <laughs> felt like I was in an X-Men movie kind of thing, right? Like it was those, those kind of things. Like I see them in movies now, like, hey, I used one of those, right? Like it was kind of cool, but at the same time, really kind of boring because it was just you. And like you, you interacted with your science boss once in a while, but like there's not much interaction. And then I did another, I did another co-op with a kindergarten class and um, the teacher was awesome. I think she was just like an older lady that just let me do whatever. Like, I think she kind of changed my life. You know, they talk about teachers that change your life. She wasn't my teacher. She was a teacher I was helping with, but I think she was like old enough and wise enough and didn't care enough that she just kind of let me do stuff. I should have been just like making copies. I had other practicums later on my teacher. This one was just like, no, no, you're going to, you're going to go teach the class. And and she put me in charge of a, a little boy. And I don't know what he had. Like he had some sort of developmental disability of some sort. And his name was Eric. And I'll never forget him because she put me in charge of him. I think he was in grade two, and it, but he would come to the kindergarten class because that was the developmental level. And so half the day yeah. he would come. And then I was his like buddy. My job was to kind of like take care of him or whatever. I spent the days with him. I, I, I even like, <laughs> I even like took him to the bathroom. I think I even had to like wipe his bum. And I'm like, I'm like, how is that? Like, I should be arrested. Like, I don't think you're allowed to, to touch anybody, yeah. right? Like, I'm like, this is the 90s. I guess you were allowed to do things like that back then. And, um, and I remember just coming out of it being like, no, no, like this people thing, like these kids, like I want to, I want to do that 
Kindergarten Cop was a big movie. Uh, and I was like, I want to be that. I want to be that influence on the kids. Because I, I would remember, I'd think back, I was like, what was the grade when you like stopped, when you started like hating school, right? Like when, when did you last love school, right? Like was it grade five? Was it through middle school? Was it high school? And it was like, me, it was like kindergarten. I was like, I was just like, no, no, kindergarten was fun. Like that was like, you played all day. Like it was learning fun. And then all of a sudden you had to like do class and math after that. And it was like, no, no, take me back to kindergarten. So I was like, let me do that. So I knew I wanted to be a, a I decided I want to be a kindergarten teacher and I applied at some schools around the area. And, um, and then that's that, that following summer, uh, some people came up, uh, uh, an awesome guy named John Sullivan, uh, who was a guy from the area and, uh, he was on the ministry team and I really looked up to him when he was, he'd been around, he'd been my youth leader over the years. I think he was my counselor that week and he told me about this school. And I was, and they, I found out they had a really good education program. I was like, I need to go to that place. Wow. And I had been accepted to schools here. My job was, I think I was going to like be a firefighter and then be a bartender. Like I was just like, where do people go that they need to hear about Jesus the most? Yeah. I was like, well, if I'm yeah. a bartender, I, like I wanted to be like Sam alone and cheers. I was like, <laughs> I could be the guy that doesn't drink, but I could just be there when somebody's at their lowest and I can tell them about Jesus. I was like, and then that, that, that bartending money would put me through firefighting school to be a firefighter. That was kind of like, but then this education thing popped up and uh, I remember it was like July, August that I applied, right? Like school starts in September yeah. and, I, and I got accepted. How I got accepted, I don't know, uh, but I did. I didn't have the greatest grades and um, they let me in and uh, then we didn't have any money. Uh, uh, it was an expensive school and my parents owned our cottage through uh, just a, another God kind of thing that happened a long time ago. Uh, but because they own their home and own their cottage, it looked on paper like we had money when we did it, right? right? And so we didn't qualify for any of the loans. We didn't qualify for any of the grants we could get. And a crazy other coincidence was when I was a, when I was little, I think it was in grade three or so, my uncle had won the lottery. And uh, he, he they won like millions. And um, we had always been told like we were never, like we didn't want money to ever be a thing. So like my parents were like, we're never asking them for money. Like we're never... That's their money. If they, you know, whatever, like we're not expecting anything. They're going to be the same people they were before they want it. We're going right. to treat them the same. Don't ever like whatever. That was our, that was my parents' attitude. And that was the like, same. They were still my aunt and uncle. And I remember my dad being, Hey, we're going to go ask your uncle for the money. We've never asked for anything. We're not going to ask him to give it to you. We're going to ask him to loan it to you. Um, at the same rate, you would have got the Canadian, the Canadian grant to, right to go to school. And, and, and we asked them and they said, yes. And they gave me the same loan, same, wow. same, same, uh, uh, payoff for whatever terms and stuff like that. And I got to go to any Wesleyan. So I love to say like, right. Like I got led to any Wesleyan because of the lottery and because <laughs> I became a Christian because of a formerly gay person or maybe a person who was still right. struggling with homosexuality. Like I'm like, so these are these things you're not supposed to do. Right. Like that, like I was like, so I don't know. Like, yeah, sure. Gambling is bad, but I wouldn't be here without it. Right. Like, yeah. like, like homosexuality is the worst, whatever. I don't know. But it's like, I wouldn't be a Christian without that man sharing his right. story. Right. Like, and it's just like, like, I'm just like, okay, God just keeps using these things in my life. Maybe just to keep me humble. Maybe just to be like, stop judging stuff. Um, but yeah, so that, that I got in Weston, I think in August, I think I had like a week to pack. I uh, went down because school starts before September down there and uh, they dropped me off. Um, I had my clothes all in my hockey bag. 
and I was sitting there in a dorm room in Marion, Indiana, uh, not having a clue about life and uh, had to figure it out from there. So, Man, that's awesome. Uh, I love hearing these stories and it certainly uh, reminds us that God has a plan and we can develop our own <laughs> methodology, but God's going to do what he's going to do with uh, sensitive hearts and with the right people. I go back to the boy, Eric, that you helped out with, but even more that teacher to entrust you to give Eric the care. Yeah. That has to be a defining moment. How have you allowed people like yourself to, I guess, pass or fail by the care that they provide for others? Is that something where like you see a counselor kind of struggling, but you see a camper that would really benefit? Like for me, it's understanding to give up control and I just think whether that teacher was really old and she didn't want to handle it or deal with it, yeah. or she yeah. really saw something special in you, have you learned to apply that principle in your daily ministry and in your life now? I'm that one, I am. I may look old with the beard, but uh, I'm not the old wise person quite yet. Uh, but I'm trying to learn that one, right? Like to be like, it is better to give up some of that control probably a lot of the times, probably more often than I'm ever going to admit, uh, and, and let something not go as well as it could, right? Like, I got an ego problem, and I, I'm like, but I'm the best at everything, so why should I not be doing everything? When it's like, well, no, the truth is I'm not the best at everything. Um, I might just think I am. And so letting people try and fail, letting myself try and fail is hard. Yeah. Uh, letting other people try and fail is harder, but you see it. And and I, I'm forced to hear. I was forced to uh, in youth ministry, and I'm forced to hear of just letting letting your leaders, letting, those, uh, letting your director kind of go and do their thing and offer guidance when you can, but let them try stuff. And even stuff like you're like, I think that might not work. Or you can say, hey, well, why don't you try it this way? Um but yeah, like we 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 tell the counselors at the beginning of the summer, it's just like, yeah, you're gonna like, you're gonna mess up. Like uh, a kid's gonna be sad, or um, um, you're gonna be late for something, or you're gonna whatever, right? Like something's gonna happen. Like a kid's gonna get hurt. Like no, we're gonna keep everybody safe. We're gonna follow all our guidelines. Kids keep you know breaking their arms or falling down or getting poison ivy. Like we're at a camp. Like stuff happens, and it's just like. You have to let yourself and you let your, your teams um, fail in that way. But that's like, I mean, that's just one I'm, I'm learning. I said, I, you know, like, it's a good reminder today. Like, I haven't thought about Eric and that story in the longest time. And there was another teacher in college that did the same thing. Again, she was just an old wise lady. I think she was a half a year from retirement. And she just let me take over her kindergarten class. Right. Like, and I was like, I wasn't sure I was yeah. doing education major. I was like, it was all schoolwork. I was like, this isn't this doesn't seem like I wanted it to be like, this is a whole bunch of academic stuff. It's like, I wanted to like go teach. I don't want to learn. Like, and then I got to this kindergarten placement and she was just like, she was just old. And I said, maybe you're right. You're right. Maybe she just didn't care anymore. Or maybe she just felt like getting the time off. But I think there was something more. I think she was just wise. Like, I think she was just like, yeah, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he screws up because what he learned, what I learned from that is more important than whatever that failure, right? You don't fail. You don't fail or succeed. You succeed or you learn, right? Like, right, right. There, there, there is no failure. That's just like you just learned one other way to not do it, right? Like, and and then it's like, sweet. Now you know one one thing not to do. Now let's learn a bunch of things to do. And like, um, 
having that, like letting, yeah. And then giving that same grace to yourself, right? Like to be like, try some stuff like last summer, we tried to run a day camp and we're, we're not a day camp. We're an overnight camp. It's been an overnight camp for 60 years and a pandemic happens. And, but two weeks before the summer starts, uh, the government opened it up to allow for day camps and we realized we could do it. And we had a bit of a plan in place, but we didn't really know what it was going to look like. Sure. And we're like, we're going to try this. Like we're going to, we're going to go for this and it could be an utter an epic failure. Um, but it might not. And we thought we have a, we have a mission here. Our, our vision mission, I get them all confused, but it's to love, um, to share the love of Jesus with as many people as possible through camp ministry. Nice and simple, right? That's great. And I always thought that meant as many as possible meant that I was supposed to go to all the churches I could and go to every event I could and do the best Facebook marketing and make our webpage look as nice as it could and have our Instagram post and have the best pictures and best videos, the best music and try to sell this place, right? Like to market this place. And that was my job to get as many as possible, right? That it's like the more that come in, yeah. the better I'm doing a job. And God reminds me like, no, as many as possible is just whatever's possible. Right. And if you're limited, you're li- I was limited. La- we were limited last summer because of day camps. We could only have so many. And God was just like, if three kids show up, that's as many as possible. And you're to share the love of Jesus, love of me with them, regardless. And that's your job through camp and ministry. And, and that's what we did. Right. And we started out. I think we had ended up, we lucked out. We ended up like 16 at the first camp. Like, we were like, what do we do? If there's like two kids. Like we were like, so what's the number? Like, where we like, can't do this. Like, is it four? Is it 10? Is it three? Like, uh, luckily 16 kids showed up and then that was our smallest camp all summer. More and more kids came each week wow. and we opened up in a pandemic and we, and we, we made it safe. Uh, we kept our masks on for many of our activities. We spread out whenever we couldn't. Um, we, um, we opened our motel rooms to individual families. We did extra cleaning in between to keep everything safe and spray yeah. everything down and wipe our surfaces and all that stuff. And these families, you know, and right blinking out in the sun for the first time, some of them dropping their kids off that first day, that first week, the first time they'd come, they dropped that kid off. And like, they had been with their kid for three, four straight months. Right. Yeah. Like they hadn't been out of the house. Like they hadn't, they hadn't had no babysitters were coming over. There was no school time. There was no hockey. There was no sports. There was no nothing. And I'd see them. They'd come sit down on the beach. My, my cottage is right beside the beach. The parents would come sit on the beach and just this just sense of relief, just coming down their face of like, whoa, like, and so that's what we gave. That that was our sharing the love of Jesus that summer it was not just to those campers, was to right. those families, to those moms and dads, some single moms, single dads that didn't have, hadn't had a break in so long. We gave them rest. Come to me, all who are heavy burden, I'll give you rest. We got to do that part, that tangible part of of being Jesus. And um, we took that risk, right? And we were like, hey guys, and I, and it was awesome. Best part of that was I had my I had our staff sign up for it. Uh, we signed up before we could knew we could do day camps and we had some summer job credits come in, which would help us pay for it. But we didn't know what the summer was going to like. We didn't know if day camps were going to happen. So I had these kids um, sign up to work with us, not knowing if they were going to be camp counselors or we were going to be like prepping the trails for this next year, right? Like we're like, we might be closed. We might be painting cabins all summer long. You might be just cutting grass and like trimming trails and doing that kind of work and doing grunt work. And to a T, they all signed up, every single one of them. Some of them that we had early hired on as counselors weren't able to be counselors and ended up switching to other jobs. So we had to put extra people in um, housekeeping because we needed all the extra cleaning because of COVID. And we ended up needing some extra help in the kitchen because of the extra protocols you had to follow. 
And these kids, without blinking, would step into the, these other saying, here to serve Jesus. And if that means going to social and if that means getting to hang out with kids all day and play with them all day, that's awesome. And if it means driving the boat, I'll help drive. Like, you know, I mean, there's certain jobs you want to do at camp. You, you've been, right. you've been to camps, you know, like, and there's certain ones you don't want to do. And these kids just did it. And they signed up without knowing, like they signed up with that faith of just, no, I'm here to serve Jesus. And if we get to have camp awesome. And if we don't, we're still going to serve Jesus. And it was pretty awesome to see. That's phenomenal. And I want to say, and it sounds like I'm blowing smoke, but uh, I'm not. It it really reflects your leadership to have people involved that they're just saying, whatever it takes, we're going to um, get it done and do it and bring God glory. Whether we have 16 kids or we have 1600 kids. My question for you is how have you been able to stay refreshed when this last year, year and a half, it's been so tiring and you're just weary. How have you been able to stay fresh? Um, taking breaks. <laughs> like I said, luckily I live at a campground, so we live here on, on site. So uh, that has its pluses and minuses. One of the minuses in the winter, um, it gets really quiet up here when the camp closes and there's no one else around. And, and, and there's some, definitely some mental uh, health struggles you go through in that loneliness. Yeah. Um, so in a way we were prepared because we've been doing this for three weeks. We were like, Oh, so what's it like to like be at the camp in the winter? I was like, remember how COVID was? It's like, well, that was our life for the last four years. Like that's every winter. That's not just COVID for us. And so we were prepared a little bit for it, but um, honestly, I'm still figuring that out. Like getting outside, getting exercise, spending that time with the kids. So we live at the campground. So it's nice. Uh, we can get out and, and play outdoors. We have all kinds of space to use a little better when the snow goes away but when the snow is there we can still sled and do some things do things or go out on the ice and um we did do something crazy we did invest i call it an investment and it was the worst investment probably ever in a sea uh this past winter i think i call it like the ss covid just because i was just like i didn't know what the summer is going to be like right we didn't know if we're gonna have anything i was like we needed a win as a family we needed we live on the water and it's like we need to be able to get out there we didn't have anything to do that with and we're like, we need to be able to do that. And so like hopping out on that thing when when it's getting crazy and taking a break and we we already have it in the water and it's it's cold, but we go out anyway. And um it's it's just a blast to get that that get that time away. Um I find connecting with people, like doing this, like what we're doing right now, I found I had to like force myself, like where usually it was like you had your th- you had your reasons to get together with people, right? Like you kinda had your yeah. your wing night or you had um, if you get together for cards or you get together for, um, you know, pick up hockey or basketball or, you know, you go to the movies or whatever those things you usually would have done. Those were all gone. Right. And I found I needed that thing. And I, I tend to be a loner and tend to be an introvert and, and think, oh, I don't need any of that and realize, you yeah, know, I kind of did. And so I intentionally text somebody, hey, man, you want to catch up? I'm like, oh, what do you need? I was like, oh, I don't need anything. I need you. I just need to talk to me. I just need to talk to and what do we want to talk about? Well, nothing. I just want to chat about life and those connections. You realize how important those are. And uh, yeah, so making a lot of phone calls, <laughs> try to connect on Zoom uh, from time to time, get together with some buddies. We play some cards on uh, some internet weird website yeah, yeah. that lets us play cards together. And we were just talking that day. We're like, it's like, I think I've lost like the last 13 weeks in a row. And it's like, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, man. He's like, you'll get back. He's like, well, it doesn't matter. Like, it's not about the cards, right? Like it's not about the cards, yeah. it's not about the wings. It never was. Right. It's about that connection. And so yeah, reaching, reaching out, 
um, you know, getting into my Bible, spending that time with Jesus, um, getting out of nature here. It's and now that now that the weather's turns, it, it gets kind of gets kind of easy. <laughs> it's the it's the cold dark winters when it, when it was it was harder. Uh, but uh, and spend time with family. We started doing game nights with the family and um, and, and just having that that fun time together. Like, well, we can't we can't go out for fun, so we're going to create our own fun. And uh, yeah, we've been doing that. So those things have been helping. But honestly, I've been fig- I've been figuring it out as we go. And uh, and I'm ready. I'm ready to, for it to be over. I'm ready to meet people in person again. Grab a coffee, go out for wings, uh, play pickup some sport and uh i'm ready for all that stuff to be back oh for sure this is uh dave mason at baby mace on instagram baby mace on instagram and check out the website for silver lake slwc.ca that's slwc.ca but dave we'll get you out in a little bit but uh, i do thank you for the time that you're making and spending and sharing with us and I just appreciate uh, being Christian brothers and being able to reach out and share honestly about different things we've been through that we've had to process. And it isn't easy. Being a Christian is not easy, but it certainly is better. Can you just share if you were talking to your 15 year old self that maybe you would say (laughs) uh, give up the drugs a little bit earlier? What advice would you have received when you were 15? Not what would you tell your 15 year old self? But do you think you really needed to have that maturity of when you were, you know, 17, 18? Or what advice would you have listened to when you were 15 years old? Um, not much is the, is, the, is the true answer. Like, I was given all kinds of advice when I was that age, and I didn't listen to most of it. Um, I think the people that spoke, I don't, I don't know if you consider it prof- prophecy because it's like, you're speaking something to into existence. I don't know what that yeah. is called, but I'll never forget. And I don't even know who it was. Somebody that came up to me when I was a punk kid that age, um, you know, goofing off in the back of the chapel, not paying attention to the services, um, getting in trouble, sneaking out of your cabin or whatever at night. And he came up to me and, and he said, uh, he's like, you're going to leave people someday. I'm like, I'm, I'm no leader. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm just lucky to have a friend. Like, I don't like, look at me. Like no one wants to hang out with me. Like I was like, and he's like, no, you're going to, you're going to like, you're going to, you're going to lead people someday. And like, it stuck with me. Like it was like, this thing that I was like, I don't even know if he knew me. I don't know why he said that. He probably said that to every kid he met that week. I don't know. And, but for some reason it stuck with me. So I try to do that. Like I try to speak into people's lives and not, and not in a super, uber charismatic way although i believe that's possible as well it's just not it's not my gifting i don't think or maybe maybe i, I don't know it yet i mean i grew up wesleyan so i don't get to experiment in that area of, of of the spirit very much but um but i try to do that with people i just say man like you're doing really good at that thing um like you could do that thing right like like you could be a leader you 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 could lead people people will will follow you um, just just talk about people how awesome they are like try to speak positivity that same kid who was 15 and use that wit to make fun of people right so that I couldn't that I wouldn't get made fun of right. that if I picked on them before they somebody else picked on me then maybe they would notice me and they wouldn't notice that I was also wearing 
funny looking clothes of some sort, whichever wasn't cool that day, that I could, could, could turn that, that wrath to somebody else. That same wit, that same ability can be turned on its head to be like, no, no, now you're going to speak life. You were speaking death and now you can speak life. And I want to do that, right? Like to my so kids, good. tell them how proud I am. No matter how the game goes, man, you, you did your best and that was awesome, right? And I'm so proud so of good. you. That drawing, man, look how good that drawing is. You know, it's a four-year-old drawing. It's a terrible drawing. It's not a great drawing, but it is a great drawing, right? Because you said it was a great drawing. And um, yeah, you, 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 find, you find the positive. Like, like look at, uh, oh, Bob, is it Bob Goff, right? Like, that, like, yeah. those just, I don't know if you're, I don't know, I talk about this all the time, but I don't know if you're watching Ted Lasso at all. I'm not, no, I haven't seen it. Man, that. you have to. All and right. he just speak. He's just pure hope. He's like, he like they described it when they wrote it. Like they were just like he's the anti-Trump. I don't want to get political on your thing, but like <laughs> how Trump is just kind of a bully. Like whatever right, you like right, him, right, hate him, whatever. Right, right, but right. like he's kind of a mean dude. Regardless, yeah. like he just he calls people's names. That's just his thing. And this guy is like, and everything's always somebody else's fault. And like everything, you know, the world's coming in. Like this guy is like the opposite of that. He's this. He's this. Um, football coach, American football coach who is coaching British soccer. It's kind of a joke, right? Yet he's just pure hope and he speaks hope into people's lives. And he's like, they lose a game and they like throw a party because they're like, yeah, but we're here together. Like he just, he finds that like silver lining, that hope in all situations. And I'm just like, I want to be that. I want to speak life. I want to be like Jesus, right? Like where you just come into people's lives and you just speak life, right? And like, we met people like, I, I mean, our good friend, I saw you had him on the podcast, Dan Lamus, a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. And he's that guy, right? Like you talk to Dan. Yeah, he is. And you feel better about yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. Some people like will kiss up to you, right? Like they'll, 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 they say smoke, they'll blow smoke right, right. to make you feel better about yourself because there's something they're looking to get out of it. Sure. Dan does that. He's not ever getting anything out of it. Right. He is just like that with everybody, whether he's on a podcast with you in front of a whole bunch of people watching, whether he's on a stage and everybody's looking, or if he's in a little room by himself and it's just you and him, he's that exact same guy and he's speaking life into him. So my time I got to spend with him, I got to spend about 10 years with that guy. And um, along with, of course, all the mission trips we went on before that, but um that kind of person. And so my goal, my goal is to be that person to go from that 15 year old who is speaking death to a 44 year old who hopefully can speak life into the next 15 year old and, so and just have that positivity, hope, Jesus way of, of loving on people. So. Dave, that's great. That's great. And uh, may we all aspire to that um, for sure. And Dan Lamas, I love him. That guy's, tremendous <laughs> the final question this i stole from hernando planos he has a be contagious podcast i've got to interview him a couple times if or in your case when when the feature film is made about dave mason that's made about your life who plays denzel, Washington. You? denzel there you go hey my wife would watch that she'd be the first one to <laughs> sign up and watch that but uh there you go. Dave, we wish you all the best. Thanks again for making the time. And um, if there's ever anything else I can do to help you out or be there for you, know that we're uh, brothers from different mothers. And so um, thanks, man, for being here today. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.
And again, that's Dave Mason. Check out the website, slwc.ca, Silver Lake Wesleyan Camp, slwc.ca. And if you're listening on the podcast and you want to follow uh, Dave on Instagram, it's Baby Mace, B-A-B-Y-M-A-S-E. With that, we're out. Hopefully we'll see you Sunday, 9 a.m. online, 4 o'clock in person. RSVP, let us know, and uh, there's plenty of room. Thanks, all.